There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of our outdoor pursuits. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is your host, Brian. And I've got a special guest with me tonight. Matthew Wright is with me, and we are in a very special place. This, I think, is our second episode coming to you straight from the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in northern Minnesota. We're on a spring trip. Max, or Matt, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I, I said Max because my cousin Max is also <laughs> on the trip. He's helping us out by stoking the fire a little bit over there. So thank you, Max. And we're... uh. We're just taking it easy right now. This is actually our last night of the trip. And Matt, I wanted you to jump on with me because you've got a cool, interesting story. Um, just the way that you have kind of developed as an outdoorsman. And like you to maybe start early on as a young young man. I know you've been in the outdoors kind of since day one. But maybe share, take the next five minutes and share your outdoor story with everybody. We like to do that with the new guests kind of share their contact with the outdoors so take it away dude yeah sure well thanks thanks again so much for for having me i think uh for me exposure to the outdoors really started when i was probably four or five years old uh just fishing farm ponds down in kentucky with my grandpa uh probably one of the best memories that i have and uh, about as early as i can remember was you know just bobber fishing for sunnies um out on the farm and uh my grandpa rebaiting my hook and me pulling them in faster than uh, faster than he could take them off. So catching so many that uh, that he didn't even get to fish. And that was probably when I first started to fall in love uh, with the outdoors. Grew up on about a thousand acres of land in Kentucky in the Ohio River Valley uh, near Carrollton, halfway between Louisville and Cincinnati. Uh, so did deer hunting, turkey hunting, squirrel hunting, uh, rabbit hunting with dogs, and occasional coon hunting. Uh, with my dad when he got us out there at night. Um, I just really fell in love with fishing more than anything uh, with my grandfather. Uh, before he passed away, we had so much fun, uh, whether it was a farm pond, him picking me up after school on the four-wheeler, just running down to a bottom uh, bottom land in Kentucky and fishing, or we even did up to three or four-day trips to Cave Run Lake for rainbow trout and 35 feet of water. Uh, so... Uh, loved doing that, loved whitetail deer hunting, uh, mostly with rifle, um, you know, two or three hundred yard uh, vantage points or, or power lines, stuff like that. Uh, pretty traditional style of hunting. Uh, and then all that changed, I guess all my hunting experience changed. Um, did that basically from, you know, living in Kentucky from the time I was born till about six years ago and I moved to the beautiful Minnesota um, and really started to rediscover the outdoors for myself. You kind of have that going away experience, whether that's to college or to uh, your first job or whatever it looks like uh, for a person to get away from home. And just to really rediscover the passion um, and the love for the outdoors on your own uh, has been a process for me. Uh, it's really started out with um, fishing, uh, finding just 
uh, finding people down the Mississippi River, actually, finding an old guy to mentor me uh, and just show me the ways. Ice fishing, just finding that for the first time two or three years ago. Um, and then eventually even the Boundary Waters. I guess my first trip was three or four years ago now. Um, actually in this very lake. Actually, I didn't stop at this site, but on this very lake. Uh, made one of my first trips through it. Awesome. Uh, and yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm at now is figuring out. Uh, I've done a lot of fishing now in Minnesota. But it's kind of still trying to figure out if where hunting looks like for me. Now I don't have access to um, all the private land anymore. And so what the future holds for me is still still kind of developing yeah yeah that's awesome man and especially being from kentucky i'm definitely fond of that area and just that's kind of where i cut my teeth starting to learn how to archery hunt and had some great mentorship there and so i definitely am fond of that area that you grew up in kind of connecting with the outdoors super cool and so we we wanted to take this episode here maybe for the next 20 minutes or so uh, like I said, there's a possibility that you might be hearing loons. Uh, like I said, my coven, cousin Max is stoking the fire for us, so you might hear the bonfire. Some loons are kind of going crazy tonight mm-hmm. uh, off this camp sh- campsite here on this lake, and and maybe even <clears throat> if the microphone's picking it up, uh, some 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 grouse. I think I heard one just yep. a little bit ago. So, yeah, we. So Matt, let's see. When did this start? Max, my cousin, has been. I think this is, we said, our fifth trip together, him and I, and our fifth, our fourth spring lake trout, specifically spring lake trout trip. So we've been trying to get into the Boundary Waters as soon after ice out as possible and chase lake trout. When they're in nice and shallow, they're a super cold water fish. So when the water temperatures start to warm up, they start to go pretty deep. So we're trying to catch them in that shallow water when they're easier to to catch. So, um, you know, especially from the boundary waters out of a canoe. But for you and I, this kind of started probably about two months ago, mm-hmm. two or three months ago, talking about planning this trip. And uh, Matt and I, we did most of the, we did the grocery shopping, the planning for groceries, what we were going to bring for groceries, gear. We talked about gear. Matt's, uh, Max has the title fish brain <laughs> so he he knows what's going on with the fishing side of things we just leave that up to him yep and uh but the other parts of it it's it's kind of kind of part of the the fun is actually planning trips like this and meeting up at coffee shops reconnecting about life but then man we've got this wilderness adventure in front of us you know and and that's such a cool thing but this I know for you because you've been a few times now. Max and I certainly, the Boundary Waters holds a very special place in our heart, as as well as many of our listeners. I know some of you out there, the Boundary Waters is kind of your, uh, definitely your your main, I guess, experience with wilderness. And we cherish this place here in Minnesota. So anything we can do to advocate for it, for, for the protection of it, anything we can do to make people aware of its beauty and kind of its majesty. You know, the, the best thing you can do is, I've said this for quite some time, Jeff and I actually, Jeff Snyder, uh, that the best thing you can do is to make your voice heard when the issues arise and then also bring people here that have never experienced it. Yep. You know. Absolutely. So why don't you maybe share a little bit about your first experience with the Boundary Waters? Because I know you took that trip a couple few years ago, and 
uh, maybe you could share just kind of your initial thoughts. Yeah, I think I think it was three or four years ago. It always blurs together. Uh, it's always too long between between the next trip. Um, I mean, my first trip was with a group of guys who, who probably shared. Uh, there were six of us total. Probably shared that like, exactly what you're talking about. That enthusiasm for majesty for there's just something sacred and reverent about being out here. Um, and so their passion and interest, um, drew me in cause I hadn't I mean, done plenty of car camping and tent camping and, uh, but never really had done a wilderness trip. So until I guess it was 2014 or 2015, um, our first trip, uh, we came in right at fishing opener in Minnesota, which is usually the second, uh, second or third ish depends on how it falls weekend in May, um, up here in Minnesota. And, we ended up doing probably a 35-mile loop. Uh, came wow. in on the same lake. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a hardcore first trip. <laughs> it was a lot of paddling and not a lot of um, interesting cooking or uh, fishing, uh, for that matter. Um, but my first real experience, like, all out there, all out in the wilderness. Like, if somebody gets hurt, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing, like, there's some actual risks. There's some actual, actual challenge. Yeah in doing something like this. And on that trip, I just brought my sleeping bag and my clothes and probably brought way too many clothes. And just, I was just there as a tag along invited by some good friends to go and and experience it. Um, and so it was, it was amazing. I mean, I, I, I fell in love with the boundary waters on that trip because it was beautiful, 75 degree, the perfect Minnesota spring day. Uh, when we went in, I think it was just like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday trip, um, it was beautiful for the first day and a half. And then one, it was, I think it was like Friday into Saturday night fishing opener. Um, mm. the temperature just fell like 40 degrees and it snowed the entire next day and Lake Trout were biting like crazy. We ended up fishing, um, fishing at Paulson Lake, just South of Seagull, big portage South of Seagull. Um, and just caught a ton, probably a ton, like probably 20 or 30 lake trout in a couple hours just casting uh shad wraps and spoons from shore and it was just this epic experience i think for me um not not as much on the gear planning the gear or making sure you have everything figured out or the route like i i think i bought one map one mckenzie to go up on that trip just so i you know just to know but i pretty much had no clue about what i was getting myself into and i think there's something beautiful about that if you're thinking about taking somebody out for the first time to let them just soak in all the goodness that can be found out here totally um to just go and soak it up maybe you catch fish maybe you don't uh but eat some good food and just enjoy life on the water yeah so it was it was awesome yeah yeah man thanks for sharing that it's cool i always like to hear about people's first trips in and and any trip Mm -hmm. you know for for you know, just any trip that people are going in and experiencing these things like this, especially being in my home state, it's kind of a, it's holds a special place. Like I said, and you know, let's uh, let's get into this trip a little bit. So we plan this trip. We've been in now for five days. This is our sixth day. Uh, tomorrow will be our sixth day. Yep. Correct. Yep. And we're actually leaving tomorrow. Um, and let's go ahead and start at the the front end of this. So okay. we planned this trip through Tuscarora Lodge and Canoe Outfitters. They are up off the Gunflint Trail. We decided to try to get in this year to Knife Lake from the Gunflint side. So it's a little bit of extra work, uh, but it was worth it. We 
stayed at Tuscarora. It was beautiful. They've got a great lodge there, and Andy and Ada do uh, just a great job. They're they're awesome people. Every time we've we've utilized their services, they've been top notch. You're not waiting around for canoes. You're not waiting to you know for direction on permits. They just take care of you really well. So. Uh, and, and there's a ton of wonderful outfitters, both on the Ely side and Gunflint side. Really, kind of a cool, unique niche of our of our you know uh, wilderness culture up here in, in northern Minnesota. So we stayed at the bunkhouse there at Tuscarora Lodge the first night, and then that next morning they serve us a, a French toast breakfast that was great. We got on the water at, on Seagull at about what did we say nine. 8.55. 8.55. Exact. That was it. That's right. I remember looking at my watch. Yep. 8.55. And we, we we ended up having, this was light on portaging, heavy on paddling trip. Yep. So we, we paddled, we've paddled quite a few miles. I think we figured that this was a, was it 36? 36 miles? Yeah, round trip. Yep. 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 36 yep. miles round trip it ends up being. So basically the way we planned this is we were just going to, bus tail from seagull to the south arm of knife lake and we were going to base camp and fish lake trout there and in the past we've done tuscarora and gillis lakes and we've caught a lot of quantity of lake trout you know uh, definitely 50 60 fish trips Uh, but we were looking this year to try to get into some quality and my cousin max we kind of threw some ideas back and forth and called up to Tuscarora and talked to Andy. And he definitely shared with us the information that, you know, that knife, definitely this side of the Gunflint Trail out to knife, this whole fishery, it's a great lake trout fishery, and uh, gave us some direction in, because Max and I just for the last, we've caught a ton of lake trout in these last trips. And I think we even talked about, we wanted to catch some quality fish, you know, some, some, be in a lake where you've got a decent chance of catching a, a mid thirties inch inches fish. So uh, we we also wanted to have a lake where we could catch the Grand Slam. So the Grand Slam of well, it's said by many that the <laughs> Grand Slam of the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness in in terms of angling is you want to name them off. Sure. All right, let's hear it. Well, of course, what we were here on this trip for, Lake Trout. Lake already, Trout. I already know that one. Yep. I'm listening in. Uh, a big favorite up here in Canoe Country, smallmouth bass. Yep. Uh, the third one, uh, prime for Minnesota. Lots of management issues with these fish. Northern pike. <laughs> yeah. Um, predators. Yeah, predators <laughs> and hammer handles. If you're a Minnesota native, you know how fun those are, pesky little critters. And uh, and then fourth, the favorite eating fish in Minnesota, of course, is the walleye. Yeah, yeah. And if you're from Minnesota, you're pretty partial to to walleye. So those are kind of the four, what they say are the canoe country slam. So we completed it. Max is the only one that completed it as an individual. Yep. But we team completed it, but then also Max completed it himself. Max caught by far the most fish. Mm-hmm. He's got the good, t- he's got, he's, I don't know, it's in got those hands. He's got those angling hands and a fish brain. We, like we said before, we, he's coined his nickname, the fish brain. So, um, yeah, we, we ended up catching a decent representative of all those, but the lake trout on this trip were definitely quality. We caught, um, 
quite a few above 25 inches and maybe a couple pushing 30. Not any real what you'd call trophy fish. We were kind of looking to hope to get into one in like the mid-30s, mid to upper 30s, which would have been awesome. Uh, but what's super cool to, to think about with those fish is how slow-growing, because of being a cold-water fish, how slow-growing and old they get. They get. And I've heard many people say that a you know 38-inch to 40-inch lake trout could be 50 years old. And yeah. to think that you know some of these fish swimming in these lakes are double our age, almost double. Yeah, kind of crazy. How old we are, you know? Been swimming around these lakes for for two of my lifetimes so far, and that's pretty that's pretty unbelievable. So we ended up doing pretty well. Um, as for tactics, we were working on kind of trolling some on drifting and trolling some on on shorelines we were trying to look for points where we could find pretty drastic drop-offs from something shallow into the depths and we did pretty well on kind of all that type of uh structure i think um before when we were fishing you know previous trips a lot of th times it was finding a hole uh to 12 to 25 feet and kind of catching a bunch of i guess what what we would call as fishermen eater size eaters, yep yeah 17 to 21 inch trout um but not anything ever really any bigger than that um so and i fought, i caught a, a smallmouth this trip which which was i hadn't caught a smallmouth in a long time so it was kind of cool to catch a smallmouth but uh yeah so we we ended up uh base camping at knife and then today, around 3 o'clock, we left our campsite on Knife, and we made it all the way back to a lake called Alpine, which puts us a 100-rod portage from Seagull Lake and probably an hour and a half to two-hour paddle, depending on weather and wind, back to the public water access. Yep. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, been, it's been a really cool trip. Been definitely a lot further than... You know, we've gone in the past for, for fishing trips, but well worth it. And we, we didn't want to discuss one thing. We had an occurrence today. <laughs> and we better talk about it's this. Quite so, unenjoyable. Yeah, here's here's the thing about about wilderness. It, I think wilderness demands our respect. So if that's the case, then I think I think we should respect one another. So and I think best thing is to always give people the benefit of the doubt. Uh, that they had something going on or something bad happened and maybe they're in a bad attitude or whatever it might be. But just want to throw out a tip for everyone. So Max, Matt, and I paddled up to a portage, and the landing at that portage was very small, not much room, especially for us in a three-person canoe, to unload our three big packs. And, you know, our we had our fishing poles tied in, but we had a net and we had... You know, podcasting gear, unfortunately, got to bring that if we're going to do this. Oh got to bring it. <laughs> right. We, so we had, a, we had a lot going on there. And we noticed that uh, a, another group of three kind of was, was coming in. And they kind of pulled right in on us and un were unloading super quick. And so I kind of just asked, you guys want to portage on through? And, and they kind of just looked at us kind of weird and then... It turned into an awkward situation because it was like, well, 
there's not much room here and we're trying to get our canoes loaded up on our shoulders we're trying to get our packs on and and then as we portage they're kind of right behind us and then on the other side we're feeling like man we gotta we gotta hurry because these people are right kind of breathing down our neck and and it wasn't just the I guess it wasn't just the actions, it was kind of the attitude. And we kind of were talking about it the rest of the day as we were paddling through. And again, if the wilderness demands our respect, then I think even more so we should respect each other. And it's one of those things where patience is a virtue, big time. And, you know, I think it's important that, especially when when we're doing things like this, we're out in the boundary waters, if you see somebody in the situation that we were in, it's very easy to kind of just paddle, lean back, and just wait until those people are clear of the portage before you come racing in, especially at a small landing, and try to unload. And again, if the people who did this ever hear this or remember this, once again, we're not, we're not trying to be jerks. <laughs> we're just saying that, that patience will win the day in that situation, you know. And never really had that for the most part. Jolly paddlers yep. up here in the boundary waters. Yeah. Friendly wave, a hello. That's yeah, totally yeah. All it takes. Yeah. So, uh, just there's some wilderness etiquette. It's the same thing we talk about when it comes to hunting. You know, is if you see people, try to veer away from them. You know, don't crowd in on them in their hunting spot. Especially, you know, this is this is a public place. You know, this isn't private. So, this is a place that we all share. You know, and share is the key word. We just some sometimes, myself included, we don't do such a good job learning to share from when we were like five years old, <laughs> and we were in the no. sandbox with our toy truck. So, can always do a better job at that. But just want to bring that up because there's certain things that it, when you come here, you should know. And you know, the the goal is that this would be a wilderness experience for everybody. And I think I speak for every paddler out there who's ever been up here. It's a great feeling to be out here and kind of feel like you're alone. And when you're kind of racing up on somebody or kind of nudging into somebody's, uh, you know, situation too closely, it, it's, uh, it's an unpleasant deal. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool because, Matt, I was going to ask you too what you thought. I, I know you moving to Minnesota from Kentucky kind of changed some of your fishing tactics a little bit. And you got a lot more into kind of jigging, like for walleye and things like that. So on this trip, how would you kind of rate the difficulty scale? Kind of three-person canoe fishing for lake trout this way specifically. You hadn't fished for them before. Kind of give me an idea of what you're feeling about that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I never jigged a jig a day in my life until I moved to Minnesota (laughs) and uh, got out on some water uh, with some more seasoned fishermen, um, and now basically jigging is one of the only tactics um, that I actually use. Hmm. Um, and so this trip is not, this is not an easy trip from seagull to knife. Uh, the distance mixed with big water. I think if you are planning a trip or, or maybe you're just at a lake, your hometown, the bigger the water, right, the harder it is to, to figure out and to fish, yep. um, especially in a canoe. Um, we did, uh, we do have our, friendly our uh, really lightweight anchor that we take that's makes it nice thanks Actually, to jeff yeah thank you jeff snyder yeah um, made one out of paracord yeah that's pretty awesome is that, yeah anchor um, bag yeah so there's that uh, we really didn't anchor actually but one time um the whole trip 
Um, so I would say if you if you've never jigged a day in your life, uh, this trip is probably going to be like a ten out of ten <laughs> yeah. difficulty. Um, if you're a moderate fisherman, uh, you've done some jigging, you're probably looking at a six or a seven. Probably yeah. doesn't go down that much. Yeah. And if you got a pretty, if you're really experienced, you're you're probably maybe like a five out of ten. You know. And yeah. that's, I guess it's you know everything's relative to how much you've done and how much experience, but. You know, even guys guys like Max, who have a ton of experience and the best fishermen in our group, still a fair amount of challenge to get in the right spots and to locate fish. And like that, it all depends on the, you know, what you're going after, a trophy, like you said, the upper 30-inch fish, um, or if you're in a smaller uh, smaller lake that you're looking just for quantity and really healthy meals. You know, yep. so it really depends. Yep. Yeah, talking about meals, that's a great segue. <laughs> meals, we did some interesting things on this trip. So we had fish. And we had them just a couple ways. I think we did just just fried them in a skillet in oil and butter with Cajun shore lunch mm-hmm. kind of breading. And But then I think the winner of the trip <laughs> definitely was the fish tacos. Yes. We did fish tacos. So we did some Cajun lake trout or walleye, whatever we caught, uh, in a tortilla with some chipotle mayo that we mixed up. Uh, and some onions, and that was incredible. Yep. Plus a squeeze of your choice of lime or lemon. That's right. That's, that's right. Can't so forget good. the lime or lemon. Oh, so it gives it that nice sour tweak that it totally. needs. Totally, yep. super good. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good meal. You know, we and we. I think we had that what three times, mm, at least three or four times, <laughs> maybe every day. <laughs> So, and then the other thing, we had some extra onion and we rolled it in that breading and made onion rings. <laughs> so, not sure how many people have made kind of like gourmet onion rings in the Boundary Waters, but it is possible. You can do it. Highly recommended. Yeah. So, you had a technique down rolling that, that, that. It's very, breading. um, not everyone can do it. Um, <laughs> if you've ever made a log house out of Play Doh. <laughs> You are qualified. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like. <laughs> Take the onion ring, mush it in batter, yep. and roll your hands like so. <laughs> yeah. Making logs for Play-Doh. Yeah, like Matt right now is rolling his hands in such a way that it is basically like Play-Doh, like you're making a long snake out of Play-Doh. That's 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 what's going on. So that's I, I how won't, you do that. Uh, I won't comment on what they look like after you fry them up, but <laughs> they will be delicious. So tasty. I guess we have to qualify. They're not necessarily then onion rings. They're onion shoots. They're like yeah, logs. Logs. Onion yeah. logs. Onion logs. Yeah, that's yeah. good. We'll put that in our cookbook. Right, but we already had the 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 chipotle mayo to dip them in. So that was a super good idea. And then we did pancakes. Uh, we had some trail mix handy. So one morning we did. M&M pancakes. We picked M&Ms out, but we got a little bit crazy on the food stuff. <laughs> but we had enough food, plenty of food, and good food. So that uh, – and I, with the lake trout, we've done them a few ways. I think you did one where you just gutted it. Mm-hmm. I think you were saying gut it. How did you do that? Yep, so we just gutted it, um, left it, uh, kind of slid up behind the gill plates uh, to, to give a little flexibility there. And then just roasted it right over the fire. Small fire, not too big, no heat coming up, really, no flames coming up above the grate. Yep. Um, and probably, um, I think we did them, I don't know, maybe two or three minutes on each side. I mean, not long with a little bit of heat. Um, and then basically just op- butterflied them open and kind of just picked the filet right off the skin and 
It had a little, if you were a little bit daring, had a little bit of that skin uh, as garnish. Yeah. On the side, it was uh, it was delicious. Yeah. So just a very primitive. Yep. Basic, no butter, no onion, no oil. I mean, just just fish flavor, yep. the good, yeah, trout flavor. And so that that's a way that you've done it. I have yet to do it that way, but we've done we've baked them in tin foil with some seasonings and butter and lemon, and then. Also, like we've done these, just kind of fry in a pan. So uh, lake trout is good. You hear a lot of people talk about lake trout not being good, but I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, so, I don't know about that. Yeah, so to give you guys, we're gonna, we won't take much more time on this episode, but to kind of give you guys an idea of just what to expect. And if there's anyone out there who's listening to this and you're like, man, I'd love to get up into the boundary waters. I've heard about it or I know people who have gone, but I haven't gone myself it is highly recommended, and and we would say, man, get up here. If you need help planning a trip or ideas for gear or food or fishing tactics or whatever it might be, the Contact Outdoors team is is well able to help you out with a lot of that. And we can point you in the right direction when it comes to outfitters, uh, Chad, Fix, Joe, and, you know, these guys, Jeff, uh, these guys know you know, some of this stuff and, and myself. So if you hit us on, you can hit us on our website. Uh, you can message us on Instagram or Facebook. But if you're looking to get up here, man, don't waste any more time. Get up here right now. Matt and I are sitting up on a big rock and we've got a fire going to our right. Like I said, Max has been stoking that for us and he's kind of doing some camp chores and stuff. And uh, beautiful crackling fire. We've got the loons singing out in front of us, and the stars are just starting to appear. The sun has gone down over the horizon. The lake is like glass. We've got our canoe pulled up on shore, a couple tents set up, and it is just an absolute, absolutely beautiful place. These stars are really getting ready to shine, and there's something about just this area and there's not much south of the border of you know between canada and minnesota south of that border there's not there's not much like this this is about it and it's pretty amazing there's a lot of really great places in canada to go but the boundary waters for for us minnesotans this is our crown jewel yep. of wilderness so if you're not aware of the protection issues surrounding the boundary waters and the mining that's going on—that's not going on, but getting ready to take place—and um, or they're trying to push through. You need to make yourself aware of that, uh, inform yourself, and make a decision on based on what you think uh, what you think is the right thing. But for us, we've all talked about it on this trip. I we've shared about it in past episodes of this podcast. But this is not the area to take that risk and we're not anti-mining whatsoever we like having the things that the amenities in our life that mining produces but this is too important this place is too important and it's too pristine to put at risk so uh if if you're not aware of that check that out again with the trip the best thing you can do is get here i've never had anybody all these people that we've taken on prior trips are always asking to come back, you know, and, and it's tough. You only have so many people 
for each trip that you can that you can bring along. So uh, it's just really important that you get here. So you got any, any anything else? Any any final thoughts that that you can think something we missed or anything? Um, I, my one thought was. Basic, I mean, I've got a million thoughts. But yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. You're, different. You're, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I'm a talker. Uh, if you've got small kids, um, I wouldn't hesitate. If you've been dreaming about it but maybe hesitating about planning a trip, uh, reach out, like Brian said, to 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 them or to or to an outfitter. Uh, there are plenty of lakes. I've got a two-year-old, and let's say she was out here um, before her first birthday yeah. um, with us. Now you're not probably doing a 36-mile round trip. Uh, with children, uh, but there's no reason, uh, especially uh, that they can't come as well and start to appreciate the beauty um, and the experience. It's a lot of work, but I love every moment uh, that I get to have with my family in the outdoors, creating bonds and memories that uh, that we think are going to last forever. Yeah, so, and that's ultimately the goal. Right, is this is passed passed on. Right, you know, and they're, they're, like Matt said, there's a trip for everyone. You don't have to go 36 miles, whatever. It, there's there's short day trips there's things just to get your feet wet and there's about as much as you can handle and there's a and there's there's kind of entry level deals as well so yep get in here well guys um thank you so much we just wanted to update you kind of keep you updated on the things we're involved with and what we're doing our goal with contact outdoors as always is to inspire you to come in contact with the outdoors go find your piece of wilderness go find a piece of public land, go find a stream, a lake, or a river, go, go find a, 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 a woodlot and experience the outdoors. Whether that's through hunting, fishing, mountain biking, bird watching, whatever it might be, get out there and experience it. Uh, so yeah, we just wanted to, we wanted to share kind of our experience on this trip with you a little bit. And I think that's it. And guys, thank you once again for listening. Uh, if you uh, if you enjoy what you're hearing, it helps us a ton if you subscribe and leave us a rating and review. It kind of lets us know if we're on the right track and continuing and moving forward, and it helps us to kind of tweak what we need to tweak to make it better. So thank you so much, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Hey, Siri. Play the latest episode of the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast. Okay, Backcountry Dreaming Podcast coming up. Out And I've always thought that turkey hunting might be one of the best hunts to take somebody out on that maybe has never hunted before or is reintroduced. Oh, it's crazy fun. It's active. Yeah. It's action Hey, Apple users. Did you know you can access the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast using Siri? You can also find us on Spotify and Stitcher. But no matter where you get your podcasts, remember to subscribe and give us a rating and review. We love your feedback. The Contact Outdoors crew would like to send out a sincere thank you to all of our listeners. The Backcountry Dreaming Podcast is brought to you by Contact Outdoors and directed by Brian Holberg. Original music and audio production by Dakota Rankin. Connect with us online. Links to our website, Instagram, and Facebook can be found in the show notes.